0: Today's scripture reading is from James three, nine through twelve, and Ephesians four, twenty-nine and thirty. With our tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's good to be here to worship with you. Let's uh, let me just pray for us before we study God's word together. Heavenly Father, thank you for um, your grace to us through our Lord Jesus. We ask that uh, that you would be here with us. That you would. We need you. We acknowledge our need for you, and that there's no. This is just. Uh, there's no way to be changed by this truth unless you do that through your Spirit. And so be with us. Uh, ignite in our hearts a passion for your gospel, your kingdom, and moving forward as those who are loved by you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're in the middle of our series, Relationships, A Mess Worth Making. Uh, There's a companion book that the home meeting leaders have been reading uh, by the same name, and it's just extra resource for them as we talk together about the passages of Scripture that help us eliminate some of the obstacles that get in the way of our relationships together. There are lots of things that get in the way Of our relationships together. We've been talking about many of them. Today we're going to talk about just our conversation, how we talk to one another, and how that gets in the way of us growing in the relationships that God wants us to grow in. Uh, We have been... Following along, we decided in the fall to go ahead and follow along with the scripture passage that we study on Sundays in our home meetings, so that we can work the truth into our lives more deeply. We uh, at our fall leaders retreat, one of the things that we discussed together as leadership team, the various volunteer leaders of the church, we discussed that we really want to grow. Where where do we need to learn and grow in our knowledge of Jesus, who he is, and what he's done for us? And we came up with three basic things that we want to learn and grow in our love for God. We want to learn and grow and deepen in our love for others, and we want to learn and grow in our love for the city of Philadelphia. And so, uh, we are in this series on how to grow, practically, in very practical ways, in our love for one another and others around us, our neighbor as well. So, I wanted to open today by thinking about the average introduction from someone that you don't know in Philadelphia. I've run into two of these this week that I thought I'd share with you to show how it goes sometimes, right? So the first one was I was uh, finished at the office on Arch Street. With, with some work uh, that I was doing there, and Anne-Marie and the kids were coming by to pick me up. And if, you know, if you've been to the 2200 Arch Street offices, you know that it's a business office building, but there are also lots of apartments there. And there's a front sort of foyer area with an overhang out on the sidewalk, and it's a place where cabs can come and pick people up or drop people off, as well as people going in and out of their office for work. So I came out, I had a bag of things to put in the trunk, it was a cold and it was a rainy day, and uh, I, Anne-Marie had stopped the car in front of this entryway, and I brought the bag over and I, was, uh, I knocked on the trunk to say, hey, I need to put this in the trunk, and she opened the trunk. And in the meantime, a guy drives by in his pickup truck, and his, his, his first introduction of himself to me... And he took energy to do this. He rolled down the window on a cold and rainy day and he dropped the F-bomb coupled with a description of buttocks and, and coupled that in all kinds of creative ways uh, because we were blocking his way. And that was his first introduction of himself to me. So that's one example. Another example was just the other day we were having our car repaired and I was at Dunkin' Donuts. And uh, there, this particular Dunkin' Donuts didn't have any... Cream or sugars out. There were some artificial sweeteners in packets next to stirrers on a counter, but there were, and no, I you know, like my iced coffee in particular, extra light and very sweet and very sort of sugar. It tastes like ice cream over, you know, in a cup basically. That's the way I like my iced coffee. So I was, I was confused. They, they just served it to me black. I had asked for it with cream and sugar. It didn't come that way, and so I said, "Excuse me, I didn't see any cream or sugar here. Uh, is there?" Is there cream and sugar? And the person behind the counter didn't have any English skills at all, and, and she didn't know what I meant. And so I was trying to communicate it more simply and uh, show, her the sh- you know, show her the packets that were artificial sweeters, not these. Sugar, you know. And uh, there was a woman who decided to introduce herself to me for the first time. She came up behind me, and she's standing there, and she's tapping her foot. And she's watching this go on. And she said, she yelled at the person behind the counter, he means to say sugar packet, that's what he's trying to say. And took her coffee and walked out. You know, thank you for that. (laughs) This is the way that that I found that some introductions have been happening in Philadelphia. This is a tendency. What I'm discovering, and, and you'll know this is true in your own home, that there's something wrong with our communication. There's something wrong with the way that we talk to one another. I mean, you think about those are just silly examples of people who don't know people showing, showing what's going on for them. And, but there, we talk to one another. We have similar problems in our own conversations. And so what I want to talk about today is what is God's agenda for our words? What's God's agenda? And we'll have to look at our agenda and the way that that kind of gets in the way because, again, we're trying to knock down these barriers that get in the way of us building community. And there are plenty of barriers in the way that we talk to one another that get in the way of us having good relationship. So we're going to look at how our words should reflect what God wants, reflect his agenda, and and the fact that we're his representatives. Because of the gospel, God brings us relationship to himself but also in relationship to others. And we become his representatives. And so... Our words are always to be other-centered rather than self-centered. So let's look at three things briefly. We're going to look at our growth in our consideration of others. We're going to look at our growth in our consideration of others' needs. And we're going to look at our growth in the consideration of how and when to say things gracefully to others. How and when to say things gracefully to others. Okay. Growth in consideration of others we're told that we're only to talk in a way that builds up, verse 29. We're only to talk, we're only to use our words in a way that builds others up, verse 29. Now, some of you might be thinking, oh, wait a minute. I have to consider myself when I talk, right? I have to consider myself. I have my rights to defend myself, to enforce the line when people are crossing it, to give people what for, to tell him or her what's up right one of the things that happens in our speech and in our forgetfulness of the gospel is that we forget verse 9 that people are made in the likeness of God people are made in the likeness of God you see even this goes back to creation right where people are made in God's image male and female created them in God's image and we had sin we had the fall we have brokenness We we are naturally interrupted in our relationship with God and with others because of our brokenness and sin. And what has happened through the gospel is that God is concerned and He's coming after us for a renovation project of our humanity. He's not just renewing us, He's not just bringing us back to what once was, He's changing us into something that we ought to be, He's making us like Him. I know this is, this is sort of big picture theology, but one of the things that he did in his resurrection was he showed us the true nature of humanity, what we're meant to be. And so part of his work in our lives is to make us like him. It's a renovation project. And so verse 9, one of the things that, that we're told is that we are all made in the likeness of God and that God's concerned with redemption in his gospel, God's concern in the gospel is to renew people is to see the potential in them and draw it out and and explode it into a grandeur that we cannot possibly imagine right at the moment. We're to consider the person. God is focused on remaking you into his image. He's focused on remaking you. Have you ever said, I can't change, I'm just like that? Did you know that's counter to what God is doing in your life? The very essence of the gospel is that he is making you like him. He is changing you. He will change you. He's promised to complete the work that he's begun. He delights in to come in the midst of whatever's going on for you and to renew it, to renovate it, to make it, to transform it, to make it entirely new. So God is focused on remaking you into his image. And so that means you should speak in a way that builds others up because that's true of others as well. Paul says that, that I should never say anything that is not helpful for you, and vice versa. So the first thing we need to do is consider the person. Consider the person. Now, one of the things we looked at a couple of weeks ago is that, we remember the long passage in Ephesians 4 that we looked at? It was the entire chapter. One of the reasons we looked at that is because it gives us a template for what biblical change looks like. And so we're going to go back we're going to just tap into that, and I'm going to remind you of the framework for what change should look like, particularly regarding our talk particularly regarding our relationships, particularly regarding consideration of others as we have conversation. All right, so you remember there are three things in the dynamic of change in Ephesians 4. There was putting off sinful behavior and sinful attitudes and hard attitudes. There was being made new in the spirit of your minds, in the very attitudes, the way you think, your worldview about the topic. And there was putting on the new self made to be like God in righteousness and holiness. Put off made new, put on. Often we just think we can stop doing it. That's not the biblical model for change. Hey, you're you're screwing up? Don't do it. That's what we say, and that's what culture says, but that's not the biblical model for change. It's not just enough to stop. Your very thinking about it has to be transformed. And it's just not enough to do it inside. You've actually got to translate it to action. It's got to look different. Our conversation has to look different. So here's, uh, in consideration of others... Part of the put-off process, verse 29 and verse 12, from the respective passages, do not let corrupting talk happen. Cursing people, verses 29 and verse 12, corrupting talk and cursing people. It says we're supposed to be fresh water when people are thirsty, not salt water. You know what happens when you are dying of thirst and you drink salt water? It dehydrates you further. And you either die, or you will die eventually, but you go crazy in the process. You lose your mind because it's not nourishing at all. So in the same way, when we talk to one another, our first thing in the conversation needs to be consideration of one another. Consideration of others first. So put up. Don't let the corrupting talk happen. Don't curse people with the same mouth that you sing praises to God with on Sundays. That's what James is saying. Why? Because verse 30, it grieves the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working through you. Because of Christ, if you know Jesus through the gospel, he comes into you and he makes his dwelling. God makes his dwelling inside of you. That's part of his renovation. That's how he does it. And when you act as though renovation is not the project, is not the way that we intersect with one another's lives, and you use your words in a different way, as though you're trying to tear down instead of build up, when you're not considering that the other person is part of God's renovation project. It, it grieves his spirit. It makes him sad. So, we're to be renewed in our, our worldview and understanding. Verse 9, because people are made in the likeness of God, right? People are made. The, the, the guy in the pickup truck who cursed me out, And the woman at the counter, who essentially did the same, although in sort of a passive-aggressive way. uh, They're God's renovation project. Now I tell you, when I was thinking about communication all week, I was looking at the way that I talked all week. This is hard. This is difficult. Because in the face of sometimes unjust remarks, you want to step up and, and fight back. What have you done when you do that? When you react that way first, when I react that way first, when we react that way first, we're forgetting the renovation project. We're forgetting to consider others as more important than ourselves. As God has considered us more important than himself, that he was willing to sacrifice himself for us. So we put off, we're renewed in the worldview and understanding, you know, oh, he's not worth a time is not an option for a Christian. Or she's not worth the time. This is God's renovation project you're talking about. Be careful. Be made new in the attitude and the way you think about people. And then put on, talk in a way that builds up. Verse 29, you have to see a person's potential. And what happens when we do that? Verse 9, it blesses the Lord our Father by the way that we speak. It blesses him. It gives tribute to his name, his character, who he is, what he's done, what he's doing. That he stands in for you with every cost to himself. He wants you to do the same thing. Okay, so growth in consideration of others, but we also need growth in consideration of others' needs. Verse 29, only talk in a good way that fits the occasion. Only talk in a good way that fits the occasion. What does that mean? Well, some of you say, well, listen, I've got needs. I've got needs, right? And when I talk, my words are shaped about what those needs are. I think that's right. I think that's right. But the problem is because we are also people in need of the renovation project ourselves is that we turn need, we turn wants and desires into need. We turn wants and desires into need. Remember we used this example a couple of weeks ago. I need protein to live, right? I might want meat instead of cheese. Um, I might desire filet mignon instead of ground chuck, now, we get into a problem when we say, I need the fillet. You see the twist in logic there, the jump, the leap in logic? Now, we do that all the time with what our communication is. But because of the gospel, we can live in a way that does not confuse blessing and cursing. What dehydrates and what quenches thirst? We have a tendency to twist the two, corrupting talk, cursing people, not being fresh water, but saying that we are. Saying that we're doing so, well, I'm, you know, you don't know, and this is, you know, I have a lot of reasons for saying this, and you didn't see them in the way that they were to me. All right. But you're, you're as James says, you're putting out salt water when you're sit claiming fresh water for yourself. You've got to be honest, right? You've got to understand that you have to consider their needs first. <clears throat> consider the needs of others. I should think about what you're struggling with and what you most need as we're talking together. I should think about, and you should think about, when you're talking with other people, what you most struggle with and what you most need when we're talking together. Do you do that? It's so easy in work just to do, like, the. Tran- it's all transactional. Look, even at home, you know, the, the experienced parents in our midst will tell us that it's hard to keep... The husband and wife relationship where it should be because the the household gets on such a schedule with the kids and wrapped around the kids and it becomes functional and we're in danger of becoming functional rather than identifying with one another's needs and then we can speak to one another out of that function rather than identifying with the needs of the people that we love the most let alone the people that we're in disagreement with. My words should always address your true need of the moment. Do you need encouragement? Do you need comfort? Do you need hope? Do you need direction? Do you need wisdom? Do you need courage? Do you need rebuke? Do you need warning? Do you need forgiveness? Do you need patience? Do you need teaching? Do you need correction? Do you need thanks? Do you need insight? Do you need a job description? Do you need something else? We've got to put on the needs of others in the way that we talk and communicate. It's very important because that's exactly how God communicates to us in the gospel. Now, again, let's look at the dynamics of growth. Put off, be made new in the attitude of the mind. Uh, Put on, okay? Put off corrupting talk, verse 29. Cursing people, verse 9. It's not fresh water. We need the grace of verse 29 instead. We've got to put off those other things. We have a tendency to confuse the two. Look, this is self-justification, when we do that switching of the streams, when we talk meanly to people but justify ourselves and say, well, I'm a pretty godly person, what we're saying is that I don't, I don't care for your standard of how you're living. I'd rather you live to mine, and I'm going to judge you by it. And I'm going to remain righteous. I'm going to remain in good relationship with God and with others as I do it. James is saying, that's hooey. You can't do that. You can't cross the streams like that. You can't switch around the way it works inside. So we need to put off, we need to be renewed in our worldview and understanding. We, need, we can live, the scripture says, we can show growth in, we can show transformation in, we can show progress in living in a way that does not confuse blessing with cursing what dehydrates and what quenches thirst. We can live without confusion about, hey, these words, I know that they're considering God's renovation project in you, and I know that they're considering uh, your needs at the moment. I know. We can live in that way. He tells us so. He calls us to it. Now, it's not going to look perfect, and we'll get there in a minute, but we can aim at it, and we can grow in it, and people in our lives can say, hey, I see you growing in this area. I see you showing progress here nice job. We should be catching each other and doing good, and we should celebrate it. That's part of the renovation project. And we need to put on only talk in a way that fits the occasion. Verse 29. Fits the occasion, it takes attention to detail to know what fits in a person's life. You know, uh, Ezra, some of you know Ezra is my son. He is still into Legos, especially freestyle Legos, right? So the Big Ben, all kinds of parts. He has the projects he's built. He's got like the Star Wars ship. It's very cool. But he really likes making his own. And he needs attention to detail when he plays this way. He just looks at, you know, there are certain bricks that will fit and certain ones that won't. And he's got to go through the thousands of them. Sometimes he dumps them out on a towel, blanket, so that he can collect them up easily enough. And he sorts through and he finds just the right one that he's looking for. And it goes, it's attention to detail, right? That's the kind of attention to detail we're supposed to have with one another's lives. What's fitting for you? What fits the occasion in your life right now? What is it? That means attention to detail. It means I need to know you. We need to know one another. We need to know one another. That takes time. That takes effort. That takes intentionality. It's good. Put on. Talk only in a good way that fits the occasion. All right. So we have growth in considering others. We have growth in considering their needs. But we also have growth in considering the process. Verse 29. Only talk in a good way that may give grace to those who hear. Now again, some of us might say something like, "I say things when I think of them. I just say them when I think of them. They come to mind and I say them, right? Uh, When the timing's right for me, I speak on the my mind on the spot. I keep short accounts. I say it so I won't forget to say it. Timing's right for you, but is the timing right? Is the manner in which you're delivering it right? Have you considered the occasion? Are you giving grace to those who hear?" Why would you do this? Because the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is to work through your words to others. Remember the renovation project. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is to work through your words to others. There's life in that. Through God's words, life came to be. In his renovation project, the words work no differently. We can participate in that. We can participate in his speech of grace and peace and joy and life to one another. It's a noble calling, and we all get the privilege of doing it. We all get the privilege of thinking about how to do it and drawing closer to him as well as one another in the process. Now, how can we do it? Only talk in a way that, that it may give grace to those who hear verse 29. I need to focus on the best way to say what needs to be said. Let me say it again. I need to focus on the best way to say what needs to be said. The manner in which my words are spoken to you. The process of my talking with you uh, needs to benefit you as much as the content of my talking with you. I can say something true, but it might not be the right time to say it. You understand? There might be truth to everything that I'm saying, but it might not be the right time to say it. Have you considered, is this the right time? To bless with my words, to give life with my words, to give grace to those who hear? For example, confronting a, a teenager five minutes before she leaves her school is not helpful, even if the content is accurate, right? Rebuking a friend for an offense in front of others, not helpful. Asking your husband to consider how you hurt him as he is trying to get some sleep at night is not helpful. There are lots of ways that we do timing with our speech that's just unhelpful to one another. And so we've got to put that off. Here's some ways to put it off. Uh, Talking in a way that's not graceful, verse 29 towards others, we often hold people to a standard of living, up to the law of our own minds, again, which is judgmental legalism, not grace, right? How does this happen? Well, often we have, you ever take some of these tests about how to do things, working style, disc test, about how your working style is, or Myers-Briggs, the, you know, the various ways that you're wired and, and work well with other people or not. And, um, so there are, the, there are those kinds of tests, but the, the reality with style and the ways that we do things, because we're good at one thing, we tend to project it on each other. And we say, you should be just as good at this. You know, If you're uh, an introvert and you have extrovert friends, you think that your extrovert friends should be able to read more books quietly alone. You know, And if you're an extrovert and you have an introvert friend, you think that your uh, introvert friend should be more outgoing and not so reclusive, right? That's style projection. It happens with gift projection, too. Have you ever met somebody who's really good at sharing the hope that they have in the gospel? I mean, they just strike up a conversation really, really easy, with, easily with somebody that they don't know. And they're able to communicate the hope and the person's benefits from it. And they say, thank you. Wow, I hadn't thought about it that way. I'm going to look into that. <clears throat> those kinds of people tend to write books that say, here are the ten, ten steps to effective evangelism. Sharing the faith. Here are the ten steps that you need to follow. The reality is it has nothing to do with those ten steps. It has to do with that person is gifted to do that. God has given them gifts. But what we tend to do in our gifts, too, as well as our styles, is we project them on others and say, you should be able to do the same thing. Right? When we do that, it's judgmental legalism. It's holding other people to our standard rather than being informed by the standard of God's grace and talking with them and uh, helping them to grow, helping the renovation project along as we go. So we need to put off talking in a way that's not graceful. We need to be renewed in our worldview and understanding. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is to work through your words and it's for the benefit of those who are listening. It is the purpose and destination for the things that you say to bring glory to God, to build others up, and to give grace to those who hear. All right? You get to participate with his renovation project. So put on... Verse 29, only talk in a good way that may give grace to those who hear. Now, as we close, some of you are thinking, I don't know how to do this. I, I mean, I'm standing here talking to you, and I've, I watched my words very closely this week, and I, as well as the words of others. I cannot tell you how prevalent failure is, not only in my own life, but in yours too. We fall down all the time here and yet we're called to it. How do we do this? How are we supposed to follow God and what he calls us to do? Verse 30, the spirit lives in you. And because of that, you're now his ambassador. You're now his representative. Because Jesus on the cross didn't hear benediction, good word, but he heard malediction, Silence, judgment, condemnation. We're free to hear the blessing of God's voice to us. We're free not only to hear that blessing, but we're, we're able to point others to it. Say, this is available for you, and you don't have to do anything except rest on Jesus. You remember the hymn that we sang at the beginning of the service? Come, you sinners. It's such a great version. The very last stanza, or very last uh, verse. says, Lo, the incarnate God ascended. Pleads the merit of his blood. Venture on him. Venture wholly. Let no other trust intrude. None but Jesus, none but Jesus can do helpless sinners good. And he did. He did do helpless sinners good. You know what Paul says about the apostles and about us? In 2 Corinthians 5, he says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, listen for it, gave us what? The ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us a message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God Verse 9 talks about blessing our Lord and Father in the way that we speak. Blessing our Lord and Father in the way that we speak. On your own, you're going to always end up failing at this. You just will. Pay attention. Do an exercise. Keep track of how many times you fail at what we're talking about this week in your varied relationships, whether it's work, whether it's at home, whether it's with one another, in your home meeting, at school, how many times you drop the ball But because of Jesus, you can see growth in your life in the way you use your words. Why? Because of Jesus. If you believe the gospel, you now have his spirit dwelling in you. And your relationship with God's words to you is now one of a wonderful father to a loving child. You receive God's benediction because Jesus received God's malediction on your behalf. So, to summarize. First, we covered growth in our consideration of others as people. The key point is that God is about a renovation project in the lives of broken people. So don't, it's not for us to use words that demean others. It's just not. We've got to aim at building them up, understanding their needs. Give them grace in their words. Second, we covered growth and our consideration of others, the needs of others. The key point is that Our use of words with others is to flow out of God's agenda for people. God's agenda for people, not our own agenda. And third, we covered growth and consideration for the whole process of our communication with others. The key point is that it's not just the truth of what we say, but how and when we say it too. Very important to be God's representatives. The gospel helps us to grow in our ability to be considerate of others when we're talking. With them, So when you talk this week, again, at work, at home meeting, at school, at home, to a stranger on the street at Dunkin' Donuts in the pickup truck that drives past you uh, while shouting things, consider each person you're talking with and the renovation project that God has going on for them. Consider their needs and consider how and when to say things gracefully. Our Lord speaks to us gracefully. Let us go to Him now and enjoy the gracious words that He says. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. We come to you not because of uh, any fitness found in us, especially in the fitness in the, found in the way that we speak, but we come to you because you are willing to sacrifice yourself for us. You were able to willing to consider our needs above your own. You didn't come to be glorified, to give your life up as a ransom for many. Father, we ask that you would uh, open our eyes and our hearts and our minds and our lives to be able to uh, be changed by your Holy Spirit, to be able to put off the things that we need to put off, to be able to be made new in the attitudes of our minds about the things that we need a new attitude for, and to be able to put on your character, the way that you would act, to bring hope to those around us, and to be hopeful ourselves because in your grace, in your peace, we have life and godliness. We're thankful for the resources that you've given us. We ask that you would transform us even now as we continue. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.